Okay, well here we go. Week three of our series called Rhythms. Who's enjoying Rhythms? Let me know in the chat if you are, if you're in your connect group and you've been discussing it and unpacking or whether you've been going through uh, the online reading plan or if you have a paper reading plan as well. If you've got a reading plan, you do the journey with us. Um, I'm loving this and God's really been speaking some fresh things to me in this time. So it's great to be able to do it together. But anyway, today, week three, everyone say week three in the chat as we jump into this, uh, we're gonna unpack Matthew 5 together. So Matthew 5 really um, is a famous message, preach, sermon, whatever you wanna call it from Jesus. And we know it as the Sermon on the Mount or uh, the Beatitudes. You might see that in the headings of your Bibles. And really that was a message that Jesus was sharing about some of the fundamentals of being a Christian. Now, what he was sharing wasn't giving us a list of things to do to become a Christian, but instead he was sharing a list of things that we do by the grace of God because we are Christians. And so really he's talking about rhythms. And so Matthew 5 verse 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. For they will be called sons of God. Um, you know, at the end of May. Uh, Demi and I, we are moving with our family. We are moving into the area. We're moving into St. Albans and we're so excited about that. You know, we've been doing the journey backwards and forwards from London, driving each week uh, to be in the area. So we're excited to finally be home, be here. Um, and on the drive, um, on the M25, I meet a range of different drivers. You know, the other week, and this is me being vulnerable, I'm driving up and this car undercuts me and speeds off down the motorway. Now, maybe for you, you're watching and you are just so gracious and you know, you're just like an amazing Christian. You just let them go. But something in me was like, I can't let this guy go. And I put my foot down. And so I'm driving and in my head, I'm like, I have to beat this guy. It's almost like it became a race. And so I'm speeding, trying to trying to get to this guy. And then he, he takes a turn off and takes his exit. And I shot past him. And in my mind, I'm like, I won. And then I'm driving. I'm thinking, what were you doing, Daryl? Like, what, what is that? What's that all about? Like, why did that become a race? Why did that become some kind of conflict? And really, it's because there's a culture that's in society that really it's blessed are the winners. Blessed is the payback. Blessed is the revenge. But Jesus makes a bold statement and he says, no, blessed are the peacemakers. To, to say blessed are the peacemakers implies that there will be conflicts that we will all face. You and I will face. Maybe you've already had a conflict this morning, but we all will face conflicts that will require peace to be made. Every day we have that opportunity. And really it's because of this word, this three letter word called sin. Uh, sin, put simply, it means to miss the mark. It's an unmet expectation. And we can sin against God, but equally, we can equally, we can sin against each other. We can sin against others. And, and the thing about sin, the dangerous thing about sin is that it's not just personal. Even if we sin against God or against other people, it's not just personal. Sin actually begins to undo the fabric of relationships. Look, if we were to do a bit of a relationship audit today and we were to kind of begin to unpack maybe some of our relationships that aren't exactly what they used to be. Maybe you had a relationship and it's changed. It's like the, the form shifted. It's not what it used to be. Typically, 
Most of the time, if you were to track back to where that breakdown happened, it was to do with some kind of sin where there was an unmet expectation. Maybe they sent a tech, that text message that was just heartbreaking or maybe maybe they disrespected you or maybe they didn't show up when you wanted them to show up or they did something, they said something. Sin has a big impact on our lives. And the truth is, as long as there is sin in the world, there will always be a need to make peace. So Jesus, Jesus is giving us a new title. Me and you, if you're a believer, there's a new title that Jesus has given us. We're no longer just Christians. We are now peacemakers. I would define a peacemaker as this, someone who faces the risk and steps into the conflict with a single goal of bringing about restoration and wholeness. Keyword, bringing restoration and wholeness. See, see, Jesus doesn't say blessed are the conflict avoiders. He doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. He doesn't say blessed are the peace loving, but instead blessed are the peacemakers. A scholar called William Barclay, he, he makes this statement about peacemaking. He says the peace that the Bible calls blessed does not come from the evasion of issues. It comes from facing them, dealing with them and conquering them. What this beatitude demands is not the passive acceptance of things because we're afraid of the trouble of doing anything about them, but the active facing of things and making of peace, even when the way to peace is through struggle. In other words, peacemaking is active. It's not passive. And here's where it gets tough because to be a peacemaker uh, means you have to face conflict. Uh, it, it, it means that we have to deal with things. Uh, and the hard thing is that we all deal with conflict differently. You know, I'm reminded of uh, my pre-marriage course that me and Demi did before we got married. And uh, we did it with an incredible couple called Ade uh, and Patricia Oralaja. And um, they'll be watching today. We're we so grateful for you guys and the input into our marriage. It's transformed our marriage and impacting our kids. So we're so grateful for you. And um, in, in this pre-marriage uh, course, uh, it talks about conflict. And it talks about how typically there's two ways that people respond to conflict. Uh, the first way typically people respond is you respond as a hedgehog. And so what you do is you curl up, you get spiky, you know, like kind of people want to avoid you. They can feel there's something wrong, but they're not quite sure because you're not really saying it. And you kind of want to avoid the conflict. Yeah, is that is that connecting with some people? You're like, yeah, that's that's me. Let me know in the chat if that's you. Be bold. If you respond to conflict a little bit like a hedgehog, because Demi's that way. Look, I can say that because I'm the second group of people, is that we deal with conflict like rhinos, where it's like head down, horn up, like ready to fight. Like right now, if any confrontation, that's just my natural go-to in confrontation. But here's the truth. Neither is the approach that Jesus is talking about to make peace. Neither of those options are the peacemaking that Jesus is talking about. Now, we've got to understand we're reading Matthew. Remember, Matthew 5, Matthew, the, the author, is writing this account of this sermon that Jesus is sharing. He's writing it in Greek. And the word for peace in the Greek means tranquility, settled, and stillness. So when Jesus is saying peacemakers, uh, it's now reflective of how we should approach conflict to be those peacemakers. Um, peacemakers now can walk into the chaos of conflict with a stillness, a tranquility, and a settledness. 
And, and this may seem difficult because of the nature of conflict, the nature of hard conversations, of awkward conversations, of reconciliations, because here's the truth. Typically in a reconciliation, in a conflict, it's me against you. <laughs> I stole this from Eli. It's me against you. It's like, okay, any opportunity, we're in a confrontation. You move left, I'm moving left. You move right, I'm moving, I'm moving right. I'm looking for any opportunity to, to fire a shot. And maybe it's not even in a direct conversation, but it's in my mind after they've said it, I've gone home, I'm laying in bed at night and I'm still loading up my gun because I'm ready for this confrontation, right? This, this, this is what happens when, when really that's, that's not the, the peacemaking that Jesus is talking about. Really a, a, a peacemaker, someone who can walk in that peace, a settledness, a stillness, a tranquility. Really what this looks like is the ability to call a ceasefire. A ceasefire means I put my weapon down, you put your weapon down. I'm not looking for ways to shoot you. I'm going to approach this conflict in a way that honours Jesus. I'm not fighting to be right, I'm fighting to be reconciled. Uh, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So speak the truth in love. This takes thought. This takes consideration that there is a way to do confrontation. Peacemaking is that we say our truth. Jesus isn't saying, and that's what people can make out the Christianity is this kind of wet lettuce kind of faith that we have. It's like, you know, don't really say what you think. No, no. Jesus is saying, say your truth, but surrounded, wrapped up in love. We attack the problem and not the person. Reconciliation, not resolution. Because here's the truth, we can't always resolve everything. It, it, it can't change what happened. What happened has happened, but let's reconcile because the goal is peace. So Matthew, Matthew's writing in Greek, as I said, you know, he's writing this message that he's hearing from Jesus sharing in Greek. But don't forget that Jesus is Jewish. And so the audience and the people that are listening to the sermon are filled with Jewish people too. And the definition in the Hebrew, the original Jewish language is shalom. So the original word for peace in Hebrew is shalom. And shalom means wholeness and restoration. So we can look at peacemakers in a different way, that blessed are the homemakers. So it's not just that we're gonna we're gonna stop it. You know, we've had we've had a tension, maybe you had a tension with somebody and we just let's just drop it. No, when people say let's just drop it, that's 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 not biblical. That's not peacemaking. That's just just forget about it. That's that's not what Jesus is saying. Because if it's peace, if it's shalom, it means that I am committed to bringing wholeness to this relationship. I'm committed to taking the broken pieces and piecing this thing back together. It may not look the same, but it is whole. And some of us in our lives, we've called a ceasefire. So we've called a ceasefire in relationships. We've called a ceasefire and we said the weapons are down, but we haven't made shalom. We haven't made wholeness. And so today I wanna to talk about three things, three thoughts on how we can create that shalom, how we can create that peace in relationship, how we can be peacemakers and have that rhythm consistently in our lives. So number one, number one is speak to the mediator first. Speak to the mediator first. A mediator is a little bit like a referee. Um, as a pastor over the years, 
that I've been in lots and lots of different mediations where maybe there's two different people having an argument or a dispute, families having issues and, and, and stepping in. And, and the, the, the idea of a mediator is that they begin to steer and bring guidance and navigate through the conversation and your emotions. And really, God is the master mediator because he's not moved by our anger, like we can't sway him to think any different about us because of our emotions and how we feel. We can take it to God and feel the emotion, be real, be real and vulnerable with how we feel. So much so, think about Jesus in the New Testament. The Bible says that he was mad because people were gambling uh, in, 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 the, in the temple courts, in, in, in the house of God. And so he begins to turn over tables. He makes a whip. Like your God made a whip, like he showed how real he is. So we go to God, the mediator, first before we go to them. We go to God first before we go to them. That's a top tip that's going to save a whole bunch of relationships and marriages. We go to God first. And you know what? King David, he modeled this for us in Psalm 109, verse 1 to 13. So we're going to get 13 verses in. You ready? Get your Bible reading. So verse 1. This is a prayer to God. This is after David is being chased and pursued by, I'm talking, he's chased and pursued by his own sons who want to take his life. He's chased and pursued by other kingdoms. And he prays this prayer. He says, my God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. For people who are wicked and deceitful have opened their mouths against me. They've spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred. They surround me. They attack me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me, but I am a man of prayer. Do you love that? He said, like, but I am a man of prayer. I'm not like them. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty and may his prayers condemn him. Oh, now he's getting heated. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined home. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruit of his labors. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity of his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off. Their names blotted out for the next generation. Amen. <laughs> and you thought you were angry. This is King David being vulnerable to the mediator. He is talking to God. He's laying everything out on the table. But here is the fact. We can do that. We can be livid with God. But here's what comes after being livid. We have to listen. And, and the Holy Spirit has this amazing ability when we go to him and we, we, we're raw and we're vulnerable. We speak to them before we speak to somebody else. When we're faced with some kind of conflict and confrontation, the Holy Spirit has this amazing ability in love to help us to put down our microscope looking at somebody else and to pick up a mirror before we go and speak to them and, and begin to see us, begin to see our roles, begin to see what we've done. And we get to check ourselves and not allow their sin. They may have sinned against you, but not allow their sin to cause you to sin. And it brings you, God brings you into peace in this time as you're discussing and, and something supernatural happens. You know, this happened with me, actually, with, with Demi. We, uh, many years ago, um, I had a confrontation with, with somebody and it, it frustrated the life out of me, destroyed our relationship. And for many years, I carried this. 
And I would talk to Demi all the time until what she said was every night down before bed, you need to pray for this person. Well, I don't want to pray for them. So you're going to pray for them. So she made me pray for them every single night. And my prayer started a little bit like this. Well, God, I pray for their spouse that they have to live with this person. This is legit. And it continued every night. And Demi was so gracious. She's like, okay, okay. And it developed until I began to be able to pray for him. And this was all happening, a mediation between me and God. My heart was getting right. And then until we had an interaction and we spoke and I was completely shifted. My heart was shifted. My position was shifted. And we were able to reconnect, reconcile. And our relationship now is amazing. He's a great friend of mine. And so we go to the mediator first. Number two, do everything you can. So if we want a rhythm of peacemaking, we have to do everything we can. There's a story of an Australian guy called Tom and a girl from Iceland called Thordis. Now Tom and Thordis, they were dating when they were 16 years old and, and Tom assaults Thordis. This is a true story. And they get they, they separate, they break up. She's been assaulted by him and leaves and it impacts her life. Years go by into her 20s, into her 30s and this assault is impacting relationships, people around us. And she gets to this place where she realizes she needs to give forgiveness. She needs that she needs to reconcile with Tom. So she finds his email. She sends him this email trying to share how she feels, but she wants to reconcile. One email turned into five, then into 10. This went on and on until Tom replies with an apology. And they begin to reconcile over email for seven years. They're emailing backwards and forwards, reconciling. And then they make a decision they want to meet in South Africa. They meet part way. And so they meet in South Africa and they reconcile in person. And they actually wrote a book. It's called South of Forgiveness. And just incredible story of reconciliation. They then shared that story on a TED Talk. You can find it on YouTube. And they got six million views in one day because the world could not believe the lengths that Thordis would go to to bring reconciliation, the lengths that she would go to to see forgiveness happen. But really what she was doing is a biblical principle. It's something that God has called all of us to do when it comes to conflict. And in Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, you try your very best everything within you to bring reconciliation but equally on the other hand it shows that sometimes living at peace isn't fully possible maybe maybe they're not around anymore or maybe they've rejected peace when you've tried but you've done everything within you to create that peace because here's the fact forgiveness takes one person reconciliation takes two people but we just have to do our part to be peacemakers. Matthew 5, 8, this is the scripture before what we read, but Jesus is still in his sermon and he says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So not only is peace a priority to God, but a pure heart is also. Heart being the seat of our understanding, our knowledge, what we think, what we say. So God's concerned about what we think, what we say about that person because the impact it will have on our heart because out of our heart flows the issues of our life. Ephesians 4.29 puts it like this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit 
those who listen. God cares about your soul. He cares about my soul and your peace. So number three, last one, if we want to create this rhythm of peacekeeping in our lives, the third peacemaking in our lives, the third one is to remember everything he did. So to not remember everything that they did, everything that she said, or everything that he said. No, 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 no. Remember everything that he did. He being Jesus. You know, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called what? Sons of God. When we go about peacemaking, it is the greatest witness to the world because it's a reflector of our father. So when we forgive, when we are peacemakers, man, do you look like your dad? Like, think, think of it like this. This is the same dad that sent his son, Jesus, uh, the Bible calls the Prince of Peace, because you and I were at war with God. Regardless if you were trying, we were at war with God. We had opposing thoughts. Our lives were different. Our sin was against God. But God didn't respond like a rhino, where he didn't just send a flood and destroy everybody. No, he didn't respond like a hedgehog and just turn a blind eye or we'd still be dead in our sin. No, instead, he sent Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the great peacemaker to make peace with us so that we could be in relationship with him. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. You are at peace with God. He called a ceasefire for me and for you and brought wholeness. We were against him. We sinned. We made mistakes, but still he gave us grace and made peace. And so now as peacemakers, we just extend the same grace that we've received to the people around us. We're not trying to conjure up something that we've never seen before. No, this is the same grace that God gave towards you. He's saying, I want you to be a reflector to the world around you. The master peacemaker, Jesus, is calling us to be peacemakers alike. You know, people often often think making peace is this sign of weakness. It's a sign of weakness. If I make peace with them, if I make the first move, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm weak. No, it's a sign of strength. When, when Jesus was arrested and when he was taken before a trial, before he was sent to the cross, the Bible says what they did to him was horrendous as they called him names, they spat on him, they pulled his beard out. It was, it was horrible what they did. And in that moment, Jesus, he looks up as he's been silent before and he says, I could, I could, I could call a legion of angels. Tens of thousands of angels right now. They would be here. They'd have my back. This would be all done. You you will not be laughing. But he doesn't. And he goes to the cross. What what did he do? He had the strength of self-control. He had the strength. It wasn't weakness. It was the strength of self-control to bring about peace. And maybe for you, you feel like, well, I could dominate the conversation. I could dominate in this peacemaking scenario. Well, whoop-de-doo. Good for you, but that's not peacemaking. That's not God. That's not Christian. We are called to create peace with one another. You know, I love reading about different cultures and Japanese culture is something that I love. And I love reading about samurais specifically. I love hearing about the history of samurais. And in in Japanese culture, the most revered, the most famous, the most honored samurais are those that have never swung their swords. Isn't that amazing? Those that never swung their swords. Why? Because they had all the ability to swing their sword like no other, but they had the strength 
to keep their sword sheathed, that's self-control. And that is the exact same way with you and I. God is calling us to be peacemakers, to keep our swords sheathed, to call a ceasefire, to be able to create peace, biblical peace, so we can look like our God, so we can represent Jesus and be peacemakers to the world and be sons and daughters of God. We need that rhythm of peacemaking. And my question today is a challenging one. Who do you specifically need to create peace with? Who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to call after this message? Who do you need to send a text to? Who do you need to set up a Zoom with or go for a walk with to create peace? Yes, they may have hurt you. Yes, they may have wronged you. But still, that is not a good enough reason to not be at peace. And so I'm believing that today is going to spur us, it's going to challenge us to not just be people who avoid conflict. No, but we go on a mission to create peace, peace making. And I want to pray for you today. If you're saying, Daryl, that's me. I need the help of God to do this. Yeah, we all do, but it can happen and it can happen continually. So if you're saying, Daryl, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to make peace with some people. Let me pray for you. If you just raise your hands uh, wherever you are. Father, I thank you for each person that's watching today that's saying, I I want to be a peacemaker. I want to live how you have called me to live. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, Lord, in that process of creating peace. Lord, help us to be able to see past what happened, maybe how they wronged us, what they did. And Father, we see the ultimate goal of creating peace so that we can see heaven on earth. So I pray you would empower us and help us to create peace, that we will be a church that is known for making peace peace, peacemakers. In Jesus' name I pray and still pray. And if you're watching today, and maybe for you, you are not in relationship with this God that I'm talking about, with Jesus. Look, when I was 15 years old, I came into a relationship with Jesus and he changed my life. I was broken. I was hurt. I was so lost. And still God said, I was worthy to know. (laughs) He wanted to know me. And it's the same with you. He's like, you are good enough. I want to know you. And I've got so much more for you. So if you're watching today, I'd love to give you that opportunity to connect with Jesus. And it's so simple. All it's going to take is today for you making a decision, going, yep, I'm in God. Because he's already waiting. And you just saying, I'm in. So all we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer. And I just want you to pray it after me, just out of your mouth. And we're all going to do it as a whole family. So let's close our eyes and just pray this prayer. Jesus, today, I choose to follow you. Amen.